Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Our community is stronger with joy. Become a member, joy.org.au. Hello and welcome to Being There Done That on Joy 94.9. It's lovely to be here on this, oh, what seems to be an Indian summer part of the year. Enjoy the lovely warm weather while we can. But sharing today's chores with me is young Phil. That's me here and it's not an Indian summer. Oh no. Because we haven't had a frost. Oh, okay. So if if you have a warm day after a frost, it's an Indian summer. Oh, don't know what it's got to do with the Indians, but anyway. Yeah, you learn something new every day here. And and Gordon, hello. Oh, hello. I was just sitting here thinking, yes, perhaps um, it perhaps not an Indian summer, but it um, could be any other sort of weather because we've been having fogs lately. We've been getting nice fine days, so the weather is playing up. And there was a thing on the television the other night about the the way the weather has changed so much that the the fruit and the flowers and the plants and everything. And nobody knows what's going on. Getting totally confused. Totally confused. That's like the rest of this program. Ah, what am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Being There, Done That with Gordon, Phil and Chris. Thanks for joining us um, on our little journey through Miscellanea. No, Miscellanea. Miscellany. Miscellany. Mm. No, I, where is she going to sit if she comes in? Oh, I want to know. Next to Mr. Frost. Oh, all right then. Okay. <laughs> Yes, we've got lots of little topics that could be quite interesting and we hope that some of them are interesting for you. We collect together a lot of little stories that have happened in the past week or so and see if there's a bit of a theme running and we've discovered there is a theme in today's list of topics. So sit back and enjoy what we talk about in part Chogham, World Immunisation Week, some public disasters that have befallen us at about this time and also a national celebration or is it a celebration gordon for anzac it's day? not a celebration it's a memorial a memorial mm. exactly thank you and we've got a couple of gay birthdays and people like that to discuss as well so stay tuned but what about the pomp and grandeur of chogham Yes, Commonwealth Commonwealth Heads of Government Meeting is what Chogham stands for. And the last, um, I can remember Chogham back in about 1982 uh, because I was working at the Palais Theatre and the Queen came there. And a very gracious lady, of course. To to our? To our little Palais Theatre. Wow. Mm. Dare I say, probably not the first Queen at the Palais. (laughs) There were a few working down there, I can tell you. Yes, yeah, so, and Chogham is a very interesting time because the heads of the government, heads of government of the Commonwealth nations, get together. Now, there a lot of those countries are actually republics, but they're still part of the Commonwealth. 
they don't have oh, the Queen as the head of state. So you mean when we when we Australia goes Republican, we can still be part of the Commonwealth? Oh, isn't that nice? Mm. It's a club only. Well, you got to be. Well, some of them get born into it, don't they? Oh yes, <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. But, but it, yeah, are we, are we do we really care much about the Commonwealth anymore? Well, we we on the street. Well, just look at what the re- reaction to the Commonwealth Games was just a couple of weeks ago. It was just everywhere, and and uh, I mean to say it was totally out of over the top the way they carried on about Australia winning the medals and all the rest of it. Well, we had the home ground. Yeah, we had the advantage of it. We also, um, it was just just I, I thought it was completely over the top the way they reported it all. But never mind. We but like the, to pat ourselves on the back. Well, of course we do. But then, of course, in Chogham that they they do deal with other few other things that are. Um, very current in the way that we should do. And the, one of the main things, I think, is what's going to happen with the Commonwealth countries once um, Britain comes out of the European common market and to go and to Brexit. Mm. what's going to happen uh, when she actually gives up being Queen? Oh, when she passes away, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, that's going to... Well, she's 92 in, on the 21st of the month. Yeah, um, she So was. she's... Um, so that's very good, uh, but she's um, still seems to be quite a healthy lady for her age. You know, I know some ninety-two-year-olds that are, can't say two words together. You know, but um, I she, reckon she's got a good health care plan. I think she does. Yes, yes. I want the best of everything, and I want it now. Yes. <laughs> Whenever it comes in a gin bottle. Well, that keeps no, the germs out. No, I think I think that was uh, the Queen Mother. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she liked her gin and tonic, uh, but. Um, the, but with the Chogham, they can sort of talk to one another about what's going on, you know. So it's it's and it's a chance for them to get together, and they sort of kowtow to the royal family and all the rest of it. But it's interesting to see that um, the Queen, as the leader of the Commonwealth, has decided to make Prince Charles the next leader of the Commonwealth. She well, wants she's that to happen. Anointed him. Well, she so anointed him. Yeah. yeah so that when she goes. Uh, he'll be there ready to, to take over. Well, the Commonwealth countries rather had to say than, yes, they'd have rather him. Rather than that decision having to be made, knowing that she won't be back. Mm-hmm. But I believe India stood out. India didn't want Charles to be the, the head of the Commonwealth. Wow. Well, they're a republic, you see. So they wanted, yeah. they, they wanted to choose somebody from, the, from so their own country or something. there is an alternative way of selecting who's going to be the leader of the Commonwealth. Mm, yes. Rather than heredity. That's right, yes, yes. They'd probably want a cricket player. But it's been hereditary ever since it started, which was the, mm. uh, George VI, the Queen's father. He started it all. She's continued it, and um, Charles will probably continue after that. But we don't know whether... Uh, William will want to do it or Harry will want to do it after that. We're not quite sure what's going to happen in the future. And well, I won't be around to see it anyhow. Well, see, that that's the brilliant part, isn't it? That Charles has made himself a name through being slightly eccentric or greatly eccentric. Um, whereas both Harry and William, they have endeared themselves to the community. At They're large. normal. They're normal to that extent. Well, Which, that's how their mum brought them up. Yeah, but they're but they're also normal in their relationships. They haven't married crown princesses or something or other. You mm. know, um, ha- William married a, 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 a commoner, yeah, and um, now Harry's going to marry an American commoner, yeah. You know, so um, it, it of course it does. Re- what the only thing that that does is to bring good uh, new blood into the bloodstream of the whole royal family, um, the ones with, with William and and um, a transfusion. Yeah, it's a tra- real transfusion with the with the bloodline there, so that's very good. But um, it, we've also got to remember that at Chogham there was a was a thing that was brought up about um, the rights of GLBTI people. 
Well, yes, the Prime Minister had previously, uh, sorry, Theresa May, the Prime Minister of the UK, had drawn attention to the fact that um, there was so, that the Britain actually had a special responsibility to help change hearts and minds in the rest of the Commonwealth countries on anti-gay law that was still in their uh, legislations because um, they inherited them from GB. Well, they went when the colonies GB were established. Is, uh, mm. Yeah, but, but GB has since deleted them from um, their books. Mm. And, uh, you know, come on, come on, lads and lasses of the remaining 36, uh, you need to consider the options as well. Get modern, get yeah, with it. Because it was during the, I think it was during the Commonwealth Games that it came out that the uh, High Court in Trinidad had and Trinidad and Tobago had um, decided that there was no nothing in their constitution that led to discrimination between of gays and and, and, mm. and uh, lesbians, and so they thrown it out of the uh, the court anything to do with it. But um, Philip, you had a thing about changing uh, doing that because it would um, well, you can change the law, but you can't change the, the people, the attitudes that they've had. Yeah. Did the Commonwealth ever have? enough power in the past where they could have changed these laws in other countries? I don't think so. I'm not sure. I'm not I'm, That I don't know. They, they would all have had their own constitutions, I would have yeah, thought. So here, mm. what we're trying to do is shame them into changing. Mm. But I have a feeling some of the attitudes in some of the less developed countries... But Philip, it, it, we're a developed country and look how long it took us to get to be having same-sex marriage, an yeah. equal yeah. marriage, you know. It, you've, you've got to get through to the, the blockheads that sometimes they're in governments that the, these things have to, have to change and need to be changed, you know. And unfortunately, the younger generation will drive that change. Well, they will drive it, yeah, that's Much sure. like they will with gun control in America. That's right, yes. Yeah. It's um, sad but true. Well, Harry and... Megan have actually indicated that they're on our side. Oh yes, yes. I think. Well, I I think that they've younger people these days have been brought up knowing uh, gay and lesbian people or transgendered mm. people or anybody in our community. They've been brought up to know to understand them, and they've been good friends with them. Yeah. So it's it's not going to be for, it's them that'll change it all because it's not well, the just old. Like their, group, their yeah. mother was not afraid of going into hospitals. These two, uh, they met with delegates from the Commonwealth Youth Forum mm -hmm. uh, as part of Chogham, and um, they have come out and added uh, GLBTQ issues to their list of commitments. Mm, yeah, which is, so, which is great. Yeah. But also you've got to um, remember that um, Harry's coming out here later in this year. Oh, to the Invictus Games. To the Games. Invictus Games, yes. He's not coming out. Oh, he's he's he's, he's visiting. Attending. He's visiting. He's, he's. All right. Okay. Well, that's the old expression. You were coming out to Australia, you know, because it took so long to get here by ships. But you see, every time I hear coming out and referring <laughs> refers to a, a you, cute guy, I think, well, yes. You think of the time. closet, do you? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's well. We've been brought up with that for so long that we just think of coming out as, as you know, that's the expression that we use. Yeah. Stay tuned, there's more. Our community is stronger with joy. Become a member, joy.org.au. Love radio? Joy is now on iHeartRadio. Take us with you anywhere. 
You're with Gordon, Phil and Chris. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. Thanks for being with us. And if you're listening to us on a podcast, thank you also for listening on podcast, taking us with you wherever you go. And whenever. How do you do it, Philip? How do you get onto podcasts? You know it all. You can go to the Joy website Mm -hmm. and on the main homepage of the most recent podcasts or specifically for us, you can go to our, our spot on the program grid and... All our pod, well, our most recent podcasts are there in yeah. chronological order. Very good, and you can just listen, oh, or you can, can go to iTunes and figure out how they do it. And you some <laughs> can subscribe, and each time one gets posted, you'll be advised that it's oh. there waiting for you to listen. We've got a serious subject to talk about. Apart from it being May Day very, very soon, mm-hmm. we're in the middle of World Immunisation Week from the 24th to the 30th of April. Does that explain all those little pricks in town? Yes, it does. Yes, I think so. But one little prick will do it if you're uh, for immunisation. And 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 the the needles are so sharp these days that you can't feel them going in. They're brilliant. A lot of people can't watch a needle going into their arm or watch things because they they do tend to pass out (laughs) some of them. Don't watch. That's the idea. There's a ceiling there for a reason. I think that that they just know it's going to happen, so they go out. But immunisation is is one of the greatest things that was ever um, invented. Um, No, it wasn't invented so much as discovered. It was discovered by um, smallpox uh, was the the beginning of it, I think, because everybody was having smallpox. And, um, oh, God, I'm getting too old. I can't remember the man's name. But he found... Louis Pasteur. No, no, Louis Pasteur was only pasteurising milk. This other fellow was the he, he Mr. Sulk. No, no, he was the polio man. Well, we know all these brilliant people, and you're just not <laughs> accepting them. <laughs> Anyhow, he um, he found out that the he asked the girl who was a milkmaid why she didn't get smallpox. She said, "Because I've had the cowpox," and he realised then that cowpox was the way to stop the uh, spread of smallpox. So he made a, a mixture up of um, cowpox. And injected it into people, and they never got the smallpox. My that was the start only, of immunisation. My only thought out of that <laughs> statement is, what on earth was this woman doing with the cow? Milking it. She was a milkmaid. Yeah, but how, you can get cowpox from. Well, apparently there was cows. It sounds utterly ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted an opportunity. To use <laughs> I did sort of creep along. <laughs> but it, no, it was it was uh, it was very interesting. The way immunisation started. Well, it was a cow at the beginning. It was a cow. The cow and job. Anyhow, the, that's immunisation. And, and, of course, we should be getting worried about immunisation now because the flu epidemic that's coming well, to us. Those who are immunised will have a lesser effect. If indeed it does come and is aggressive this year round. Last year, we suffered a fair bit, I think, with the, the variation of the flu that was happening but it's changed it's into a different sort of flu this year round yeah but according to the statistics um something like a thousand people died in australia from the flu last year whoa yeah so quite a lot of people it died. was yeah, record yeah yeah and, and horrific season that's right and uh, of course they're still trying to add different flu v- viruses to the to the mm. vaccine to make sure it keeps up to date with mm. some of the more aggressive um, yeah. types of flu. I've had my shot, but I must admit this year, because it was of the different brew, uh, it actually knocked me around. I was a little bit tired and achy for, for 24 hours. Oh, were you? Yeah. Normally, it does, I, I've had them every year and it never, doesn't affect no, me. No, but no, um, this is yeah, the first, first time. Oh. That's a something stronger. 
Do I have to look forward to that then, do I? Yes, I can be knocked do. out a bit like but, you. But, you know, you, you've got to remember that it was Louis Pasteur who kicked off a lot of this by design and laboratory experimentation. Certainly your milkmaid and co, that, that was by happenstance. That's right, yeah. But um, whereas Louis Pasteur realised that bacteria and moulds were present in the milk and then by heating the milk... It killed those things killed and them. made the, the, the milk purer and That's safer. Right. That's and in fact, Australia won't let you eat un, uh, cheese from unpasteurised milk. Well, we used to drink unpasteurised milk when we were we kids. Used to, but, Never did it us any harm. But now we know what's in what I'll call live milk. Hmm. And so you've got to kill it by cooking oh, it. Oh, yeah, because you understand the health reasons why they do yeah. it, yes. And anyway, Monsieur Pasteur, Louis Pasteur, back on the... 20th of April 1862 completed his first test of pasteurization and that led him on to discovering the fact that there were microorganisms in milk and in other things well it's in food everywhere Mm. and in the water Mm. Mm. and it was those it wasn't the miasma it wasn't the mist it wasn't the breeze blowing through the window Mm. it was these little organisms but his research and his way of thinking was modern and it led to other people investigating sterilization disinfection vaccines and eventually antibiotics that's right yeah so it just takes one to drag us out of the primordial ooze of ignorance <laughs> and not be scared of little germs. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't realise I'd been in the primordial... <laughs> well, the, the human race. The human race, yes. And this is, this is the development of the human race. It, we're programmed to progress. We don't go back. We always seem to progress. We find out something in something like Pasteur found out one thing about the microorganisms and things in milk and then it went from there into other things which people were able so, to do. As we might complain about change and wish for the past... The future is actually better. always better. It uh, sure is, and uh, and we always, I always say, we live in absolutely wonderful times now because years ago, like fifty years ago, uh, most cancers were incurable. These days, they've got such great um, stuff that they can but cure. Can lots you of imagine cancers. being around for the first powered flight or the first commercial flight? You'd be scared. Those was... changes would have been. Well, to me, fascinating and mm. just amazing to witness. Yeah, that's right. Yes. See, I came along so late that we were on our way to the moon. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't have much to do with that. Did they, you? I was nine when they landed oh, right. and they didn't ask me for help. So. <laughs> okay. Now, we're being reminded in World Immunisation Week that collective action is needed to ensure that every person is protected from vaccine preventable diseases yes and most diseases are preventable with a vaccine this is the problem mm. you know and well, uh, you get the anti-vaxxers that just don't want to do yeah. anything about it well the the theme this year is protected together vaccines work oh well, they sure do yeah mm. yeah well i've had quite a few and there's certain places in the world i wouldn't want to go without having a, a vaccination beforehand to protect me well, Phil, uh, Chris, once upon a time, you, if to leave Australia, you had to have a, a vaccination for smallpox. You, oh, couldn't, yeah. you couldn't leave the country without having a smallpox vaccination, you know. And um, some people, I remember my mother had four round spots on her arms for, for smallpox vaccinations. I had it done but to me, but it never, I didn't have any, there's no scar or anything. You can't see mm. where it was done. Mm. 
One of Monsieur Pasteur's uh, fellow scientists or doctors or medicos or whatever was Joseph Guillotine. Mr. Guillotine. And he invented the instrument <coughs> for capital punishment by which he, the victim is actually decapitated. His head is sliced off. He was a humanitarian physician and a member of a minor political reform movement that wanted to banish the death penalty completely. So he was looking for a painless method for capital punishment. Mm. Because prior to that, there was, you know... Hanging and drawing and quartering. Drawing and quartering and and all sort of rough and ready things. But this super sharp blade came down and... It was all over and done with, and uh, the head was separated. Because it comes at an angle, the cut, the blade is at an angle of about 30 degrees or something or other. It just starts the thing and just slices straight through, and it's dropping at a hell of a rate from the the height of the guillotine. It's time for a Simpsons reference. Mm -hmm. They had a flashback episode, and they were in the the times of mass, not hanging, but, you know, guillotining. Guillotining. And they explained that the the head stays alive for a couple of minutes after it's chopped off. Mm. So we left a magazine in there for you to read (laughs) in the basket. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know that that's true. No no one will be able to tell us, though. Well, you you can't talk about what you've read because you're kind of not connected to your lungs anymore. Oh, right, of course, so yeah, your voice box Fixed all your breathing problems. Voice boxes in the other bit. Yeah. Mm. Oh, there you are. Thank you. <laughs> well, you've heard about people who lost their head. Well, yeah. some people literally did. Well, mm. the, the, they did They did a lot of that during the French Revolution and the rest yes, of it. We, we, mm. and we wonder if modern methods of dispatching people are, are any better than that, really. Well, they just, dis- they just gave a, a, a man put a man to death in uh, one of the states of America by injection of chemicals and I think it took him about um, 45 minutes to pass away Whoa. but he was asleep he just went to sleep and then he just didn't wake yeah, up mm. yeah. well that's the way they do it with pets and horses no, this is right. horses you get a little lump of lead in the ear yeah. they die of deafness but, the, uh, but it's, um, it's probably a very painless way to go anyhow better than hanging I think I don't want to go that way but anyway. If, we're, if it's punishment, yeah. why should it be painless? Imagine what they did to deserve the death penalty. Yeah, well, there's that. Which is a whole other argument. But yeah, anyway. that's another argument, yeah. But um, it's uh, fortunately, Australia does not have the death penalty anymore. Uplifting, informing, empowering. Joy 94.9. You're with Phil, Chris and Gordon. Been there, done that. Joy 94.9. With, there's been some world events happening around about this time and the anniversaries we're going to celebrate or remember or just take notice of. Gordon, you've got your finger pointing at I me. want to know why it, it, it seems to happen around this time of the year. Is it something to do with the stars or something? After, no, or the it's way just it that works. things happen all the time, all the year round, and we oh. just go out and collect a few things. Well, these seem to be happening sort of in a group is what I'm getting well, at. You know. <laughs> Are you one of these people that believes plane crashes happen in threes? No. So many people I knew in America were convinced You'd hear it, see a plane crash on TV one night. A couple of days later, there'd be another one, and they'd all say, oh, one more, and then we're safe to fly. 
Oh my god! Whoa. But that was, but that's in America because they're they're quite funny over there because they've well, they got do a, have their superstition. But what was the first one then, Chris? Well, sort of locally towards home, mm. we've got this sad anniversary on the twenty eighth of April because back in nineteen ninety six, Port Arthur was the scene of a horrific massacre mm. of innocent men, women and children. And it's known as the Port Arthur Massacre. Well, it was. He killed so many people. It was just we, unbelievable. We, we often complain or comment, ah, oh, all those gun shootings in the US that seem to happen so regularly, but we have had our own as well. But from that, from but, that, we had gun control. That's one thing that John Howard did that was really good was to take all the guns off the streets that were not supposed to be there. And um, I know that there's people that shoot, shoot in uh, gun clubs and things like that, but they were, had strict laws where they had to lock them up and put them away and everything. But we are totally different to what they do in America, which is one good thing. Well, we became very aware of the danger of guns through oh, yeah. that particular mm, event. Mm, mm. And uh, I, I, it's good to see, actually, in the US at the moment, the current generation of kids coming up through school uh, have grown some ghoulies or they have... Uh, They've really decided they don't want to get shot at school. Quite yes. a radical new way of thinking. <laughs> but they've just had another rally in America over the last couple of days. What they've done is they've got the older students to register to vote because they've reached voting age and they've got registered to vote. And the thing is that if you want guns, you won't get elected. Mm. And this is what the young ones are saying. And, and I think that's the only way they're going to do anything and change the whole way people think. And then there was some twit go and read the second constitution amendment which doesn't say that you could carry guns which is only there in case they were, they were attacked well it, it's essentially you can arm yourself as a militia against any attack from the king of england and that's the militia is the word yes mm. it's nothing to do with owning guns for the hell of it or carrying concealed weapons under your coat as you walk down the street yes that's right there was another it's shooting up there over the night over the weekend yeah. over the weekend and it went, went to a gun and he was naked he took his jacket off and he had nothing there the gunman was stopped by a man without a gun. It so needs to be which, which, highlighted. Which is to be highlighted, yes. It's not that guns stop people with guns. I don't know whether the uh, listener remembers, but there is the Alana and Madeline Foundation, which was set up by the father of those the two father. girls. Mr. Walter Mikak. Indeed. Mm -hmm. And it was set up in their memory to provide support for children who are the victims of violent crimes. The peace of the small town of Port Arthur was shattered by the gunman Martin Bryant and he started shooting indiscriminately, ultimately murdering 35 men, women and children and wounding dozens more. Among those children were the family of Walter Mikak, as you said, his wife, Nanette, and their two daughters, Madeline, aged three, and six-year-old Alana. And it's in their memories that uh, they've set up this support. Mm. It's mm. a great, it's a great thing to do because how do you, how do you remember your, uh, how do the, does the rest of the world sort of remember the children that were were gunned down in that terrible place? You know, it's just, just amazing. Well, but it's the innocents, the innocents who that suffer, suffer mm. no matter where it happens in the world. Yep, that's now, right. But of course, 
Then you've got the, uh, it's not only those sort of places, but there you've got the, the pub in London that well, was bombed. There's a little bit of hate crime that goes on in the world, and quite often those hate crimes have been directed at us. There's racial hate crimes, there's ethnicity hate crimes, and there's... Sexual homophobic. hate crimes. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, yeah. The Admiral Duncan pub in London on the 30th of April 1999 was the site of a nail bomber. Imagine... No, a, I can't a, imagine. An explosion goes off, but... All these nails that were flying there, everywhere. Are flying. Oh my goodness me! It'd be shrapnel, really, wouldn't it? Be yeah, like shrapnel. It is shrapnel, mm. yeah. Mm. And there's a whole complicated process of how the police actually worked out that something was going to happen and where it was going to happen, and they were able to actually catch up with the the person who laid the bomb. That's right. Yeah. Fairly quick after the event. Fortunately, not too many people were involved in the actual bombing. But it certainly it certainly put a, a scare in the gay, gay community in exactly. London. You know, it really did. It really frightened them. You know, well, or he, in he, England, it was the whole of England actually. It frightened a lot of them. He was a neo-Nazi who was he was hoping to stir up ethnic and homophobic tensions, and I don't know how that would actually improve well, the the world. I don't know. But, but he thought he was doing. Three people it. were killed with the bomb, but none of them were actually really gay people. They were friends, friends of. of. Mm. And in the pub for they were just having a drink, drink, drinking with their friends, yes, and they were the ones that got um, taken out. Then we've also got coming up this week is is the anniversary of Gallipoli well, on yeah, the twenty fifth. National Day of Remembrance. Mm. It's not a celebration no. of war; it's a remembrance of those who actually gave their life mm. or their mind in war events. That's right. Yes, and if you drive through the countryside of Australia. In all the little the towns, towns. Mm. you'll see stone memorials. The obelisks with the names written on where them. Where so mm. many people, mm. so many men, were lost from mm. those little communities. Mm. It, and even the more modern wars have actually been recognised as well as being as traumatic for the general population and the armed forces, whether they're volunteers or um, recruited, because the, the uh, byproducts of war are not nice. Chemicals, uh, oh. there's poisons left, right and centre, there's mental fragmentation. Well, there's the, it's, it's the people that come back from the wars too, the ones that survive all these things that they have to put up with. They usually have suffering from PTSD and all these sort of mental problems, but nobody seems to be worried about them too much. They're sort of left to their own devices. There are a few good people that are working to make that um, change a lot, of course, and one of them is Ben Quilty, who's the artist. He's he's done a lot of work. Mm-hmm. He was a war artist. He went to Iraq and he painted and he saw some of the things that happened up there, and he realised that these men that came back were not mm. well. They were physically okay but mentally not well and this is the thing with wars that's changed with all the horrors that they go through it's the same as the um, the vietnam war the things that the men saw up there if you go to vietnam and you look around through the war the war fields where all these things were happening we shouldn't have been there because there's no way known we were ever going to beat the Viet Cong. There, there was no way known because they had all the the traps and the things that there was just underground. Tunnels they, underground. They had the it was just local knowledge. Now that, that was a thing that was wrong with the Gallipoli event in Turkey. That our troops were under the command of English. 
They were working on the basis that an attack was on level ground and you just charged and you had single-shot rifles and it was one-on-one and with equal small arms. But where they landed was at the wrong spot. It was in the wrong spot. It was cliffs, had machine guns trained on them. It was a totally different war environment. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we paid the price. Yeah. There was actually 1,100 Anzacs were killed at Gallipoli, but there were many more killed on the Western Front in up in um, the Somme with um, at Villers Betner and all those places, Passchendaele, Amiens, Hamel, all those um, you spots. You know that because the, your street is one of those names. Yeah, I live in Amiens Street, yes. And then all around is, is the streets from the battles of the First World War. It's a, it's a permanent memorial. To the, and there the was something door. on the TV last weekend that there's a new at Villers Bernardineau. That's the Sir John Monash Museum. Indeed, Sir John Monash Museum. But people, according to a press report that I also read last weekend, was that it's a very moving exhibit. People have to walk in the trenches. Mm-hmm. They have people speaking to them of their experiences. They have sounds of war. There's lots of other things there. And uh, the report that I saw, people were coming out and crying. They were, were crying. They were moved, moved by, by it. all. Yeah, the people of, up in that area, Villas Britannia, for instance, that was the place where the Victorian school children paid for a school to be rebuilt, and it's called the oh. Victoria School. And um, it's got all Australian names all around the place. You know, they just uh, they just love Australians up there because they actually saved the whole town from the being overrun by German forces. The thing that I have a, about uh, Anzac Day is it, it is a day of remembrance, but the way that the press and the the media, I should say, are carrying on about Anzac Day. To me, it's a quiet day where you go to the mm, dawn service and yeah. reflective. You go to the dawn service. You go to think you don't be, need to be boosted along there by all this continuous hammering on the media about two weeks beforehand and all the rest of it. I, I just think it's wrong. I just, um, I think you just you just carry on yourself. And, and there's a. Um, there's a great play that was written by Alan Seymour called The One Day of the Year, which was done in about the 50, early 60s, I mm. think it was. And that was about Anzac Day. And it put it into perspective the way the younger people weren't connected with the Anzac spirit and they couldn't understand why their father went out and got drunk and played two up and went to the march. They couldn't understand that. It was a whole thing about the children couldn't work out why this had happened great play they don't do it very often but oh by god it was a very mm. moving play to see it oh well they it should be on tv should be well uh, you might be able to get well, it i don't know it should be yeah. part of a uh, school curriculum maybe perhaps i don't know mm. yeah anyway yeah you're with gordon phil and crispin they've done that join 94.9 uh, we've got cash cash take me home
Joy Podcasts, where you want them, when you want them. joy.org.au or your preferred platform. A little bit hoarse, that was. Oh. We're all suffering in the studio with a little bit of hoarseness. Poor Philip had to leave the room and get some cough medicines. I've got the dreaded lurgy. Already. <laughs> and you haven't had your injection yet for your immunisation. Mine was out of stock when I went to the doctor. Yeah, mine wasn't in, so I've got to ring and find out when it's coming, so get it done. This week, Chris, we've got lots of anniversaries, quite a few we're, different we've got anniversaries. A birthdays. We take for granted the fact that a lot of facilities, structures, processes that we enjoy at the moment have always been there and, you know, there was never a day when we had to have a, a workaround. But can you imagine if you were trying to go from Australia to England or Northern Europe, you would have had to actually, on, and this is on seas on a boat, you would actually have to go via south africa and around africa completely before you got up there the little egyptians had been very very clever long time ago and they'd actually connected the red sea which is part of northern indian ocean with the mediterranean Mm. they dug this channel uh, which wouldn't have been an easy task. But then it fell into disrepair. The sand filled it in again, basically. The, the land went back to where it had, had originally been. Britain at the time were going to India and all those places and, and, and to Australia, and they needed a shorter cut to get to these countries to save time and money, and I think money being the main thing. So they, the, um, I think it was the French that decided to build the Suez Canal, wasn't it? Well, they certainly were those French involved in the activities. Ferdinand de Lesseps. De Lesseps. They got going and they connected, but there was lots of people killed in the process of digging this canal. They didn't use machinery because they had lots of people. And 125,000 workers lost their lives. Digging the canal. Wow. Mm, mm, What a... mm. But mathematically, that was acceptable because they had 2.4 million um, Egyptian workers involved with the digging. I still don't see how you justify 100,000 plus. But they would be be very happy to be working there because they probably got the money for it, got paid. And it was opened in 1869. 17th of November. Ten years earlier, it had been started on the 25th of April, 1859. Ten years to dig it. Now with modern machinery and other things, that would get through it a lot quicker, I would imagine. In 1937, on the April of the 27th, the bridge in San Francisco, crossing from one point to another, was opened. It was completed. It's a suspension bridge. Have you been over it, Phil? Many, many, many times. Oh, yes. I've also spent hours and hours just staring at it. Why? It's beautiful. It's a piece of engineering in the most beautiful location, and it's just, it's pretty. It's a very... It's, it's a, art deco. It's a very art deco bridge, isn't yeah. it? Yes. It but goes it, from the city of San Francisco to, to the little port of Sausalito? Well, Sausalito's around the corner. Around it goes the corner. to Marin County. Marin County, yeah. No, Marin County. Oh, got the emphasis on the wrong syllable. That's correct. I? And Marin County is also known for where Lucasfilm are located, the people behind Star Wars, Oh, before hmm. Disney bought them. <laughs> Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> it's now probably in Anaheim with everything else. But, <laughs> but it's, a, it's a beautiful bridge. It beautiful really is. Beautiful bridge. And it's, it's a good. mile across. Yay. And it's in the process of being rebuilt, actually, as we speak. Well, every, every bridge, I think, is like that, isn't it? It's being retrofitted for 
even bigger earthquakes. Yeah, yeah. It survived the earthquake while I was there uh, incredibly well, and the USGS were quite, quite disappointed they didn't have sensors on that measuring the, mm, the relative mm. movement. But it's a beautiful bridge, I have to admit. Yeah. It certainly is. And the little birthday that we need to comment about at this particular point of time is that of the singer Andrew Ivan Bell and he's the lead singer of the English pop duo called Erasure and we've got a little song to go out. He has been around since 87 been around for a long long time he was born in 1964 on the 25th of April and he's made a name for himself but also apart from being openly gay and he'd had a long time past Bell told a magazine back in 1986, I don't want to go out of my way to talk about my sexuality, but I'm not going to pretend that I'm not gay. I won't portray a heterosexual in videos, and we're consciously doing lyrics that could apply to either sex. So uh, he was sort of carrying out his own little battle of normalising our existence. And he's been HIV positive since 1998, but he was lucky to be around to have the modern medications. However, he was born with a another sad disease called a vascular necrosis, and he's had both hips replaced. And as he calls it, it keeps him from pogoing around. <laughs> Does anybody know what a pogo stick is these days? That's the point. <laughs> exactly. Boing, boing, boing. Boing, boing, yes. The kangaroos have got them built in. Yeah. Anyway, let's hear from Andy Bell, caught in a spin. All right. And before that, and we'll have to say goodbye because we we're going to be caught in a spin. Goodbye. And we'll see you next week. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.